hello and welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. Today's episode is a big one. We're going to go over the missing link in a lot of our businesses. The most overlooked part, yet in my opinion, the single most important part of any business, whether you're new, you're growing, or established, the office is the missing link, right? I mean, think about it. We spend a lot of time and money on our advertising and our marketing to get customers to call us. We spend a lot of time and money and energy training and learning how to do our job, as we should. But the missing link is the office. Once we get that customer to call, and before we can get out to do any work, the office is the missing link. I mean, think about what they get when they call. They've seen some really well put together advertisement, maybe a a magazine ad or a yard sign or a TV commercial. They look you up online. They look over your company, read your reviews. They're like, all right, I want to work with this company. They dial the number, they call. What do they get? They get an answering machine. They get an answering service. What do they get on the other end before they decide to actually do business with you? So we're going to talk about that today. And it's just, it's something that I don't know why it was overlooked in my company for a long time too, in certain ways, but, uh, I've, that I've taught two different CSIA training classes this year. And at both classes, I asked the class about 30 people per class. I asked both of them, how many of you are still answering your own phones? And I was blown away that probably 80% of both classes raised their hand. And I'm just like, wow, it, it definitely is the missing link to a, not just a growing business, but in my opinion, a good business. And I'm going to tell you why. So when I worked for the last company that I worked for, he was running a business out of his home, like a lot of us did when we started, but he was still answering his own phones. And we would work all day, you know, we'd be doing rebuilds and liners and sweepings. We'd be dirty. We'd be dog tired at the end of the day. I'd get back and I'd clean up the van and I'd go home. And then one day he made a comment. He goes, you know, your day ends at four or five or whenever you go home. He goes, my day doesn't end for hours after you leave. And I'm like, what? What do you do? So one day I stayed behind and I was like, let's see what, you know, what he's talking about here. So we'd finish cleaning up. We'd go inside and he'd get something to eat and he'd sit down at his desk at five, six o'clock at night whenever we were done. And he'd start listening to voicemails. And I'm like, what? And there are people that had called all throughout the day left a message, and then he'd write down his notes and call him back, go over everything. We're talking six, seven, sometimes eight o'clock at night. He'd be up talking to people and setting appointments and going over pricing and what we needed to do. And I'm going, there's got to be a better way. And it was, I mean, that's all he knew. And one day he, he, he broke down in the van. It was one of those hard days and it was just long and he was in a mood. And he goes, you know, John, I don't even know my daughter. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. He goes, I work all day. I'm gone from the the break of dawn until dark at night. When I come home, I'm still just answering phones and returning calls. And he goes, I have no time to do anything. I have no, it was, it was really sad, honestly. And I was like, man, there's got to be a better way. Then I had some work done at my house. Um, We had the yard done. We had uh, irrigation put in. Uh, My entire driveway was torn up and and was supposed to be redone, but the contractor actually screwed me. Um, I, (laughs) at the time, uh, just hired whoever I could. And I think it was somebody off of Craigslist, honestly. I might have been exaggerating. And he did good work until he just didn't show up one day. 
and my driveway was still completely torn apart. There was nothing but dirt. I needed a driveway ASAP. So in the middle of trying to chase this guy down for the money I gave him, uh, I just Googled driveway pavers like anybody else does. I said, all right, Google, tell me what to do. And I got a list, you know, the ones closest to me are best rated or whatever. I didn't even know what the criteria was. It was just a list. I clicked the first one. Phone rang. I got a voicemail. I'm like, what? It's like two in the afternoon. So I left a message, you know, please call me back. Here's my number. And what did I do then? Did I just put the phone down, walk away? Be like, oh, okay, I'll wait for them to call me back. You know, they, that's important. So I'll just go live my, no, <laughs> I called the next number on the list. And I, I can't, <laughs> I couldn't believe I got another voicemail, two in a row, left another voicemail, called the third number on the list, phone rings, person picks up. I'm like, hi, I need my driveway. Here's what I'm going through. I got kind of an emergency. The guy left me hanging and they set the appointment. They sent somebody out uh, after the guy had come out and done the estimate and I already booked the work. I got a phone call. It was the second company I had called and left a voicemail for. They're like, hey, we, you know, we got your message. Can we come out and give? I was like, no, I've already had somebody come out and they've already got the work. They're like, oh, that's a shame. I'm really sorry about that. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> they came out. They did the work. It was like two days later. Got the work done. I had a brand new driveway. My phone rings. It was the first company I had called. Hey, I'm sorry to get back to you. It's been really busy here. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, you know, let's talk about your driveway. I'm like, yeah, let's. It's done. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, wow. I'm, oh, oh, and they're all, of course, they're apologetic. But the moral of that story is the average customer is not going to call, leave a voicemail, and then wait for you to get back to them. They're just not. We think that. We think that we're the be all end all and our customer base cares. And that's great until you need something yesterday. Yeah, up here in New England, for some reason, everybody waits until it gets cold to start calling to get their work done and their chimney swept. Every year, I try advertising, I try marketing and emails and telling them, and I'm like, please call in the spring, call in the summer, call earlier. They don't. And that's why I keep saying every Labor Day, the phones explode. And sure enough, it's still mildly warm here in New England. We're still in the 80s. It's still kind of humid and the phones just exploded. It's just ingrained in people's minds to wait till the last minute and then call. And it happens every year. These customers aren't going to wait for you to to leave a voicemail and then get back to them and they just go about their business. No, they want their chimney serviced now, let alone if they actually have an emergency. You know, we get collapsed flues up here a lot from oil boilers and gas furnaces and we get chimney fires that happen. There's you know leaking that happens in somebody's house. A tree falls, hit the chimney. There's all kinds of reasons why a customer is not just going to leave a voicemail and then wait for you to call them back. It's just not going to happen. So I started doing the math on the company I worked at before. I was like, let's see, how many voicemails do you get a night? He's like, oh, maybe 15. I said, okay. I looked at his caller ID at how many calls he received that day. Big difference here. He got 15 voicemails. He received 50. 50. 35 people on average would call and hang up and call somebody else. I'm like, that is a lot of lost business here. That's insane. Then I was like, okay, out of the 15 voicemails that you get, how many appointments do you actually set? Because now you're playing phone tag with them. They called at two in the afternoon. You're calling them back at seven o'clock. This is dinner time. Now you're in telemarketer territory and you're calling them back. How many people actually answer and then set the appointment? He's like, oh, you know, six, seven, eight. I'm like, half, <laughs> half. 
let's say on a really, really good night, you get 10, but you got 50 phone calls. So out of 50 calls, you set maybe at best 10 appointments. You're looking at one out of every five calling you. Those are terrible numbers, but we do it. 80% of the people that I've polled, which is, you know, very scientific. I've asked two classes, but I've talked to a lot of other people. A lot of us are still answering our own phones and it's not even answering. I can't even call it that. It's waiting for the end of the day to call them back. You're playing phone tag with these people, people that want to give you money and you're just hanging them out to dry and saying, get back to you soon. Absolutely. In my opinion, one of the worst business moves you can make, whether you're a brand new business, just starting out or somebody trying to grow. That's, a, I mean, four out of every five people that call you aren't setting an appointment with you, it's impossible to grow with those type of numbers. You're trying to start a business, it's nearly impossible to get the customer base underneath you to build a foundation if four out of every five people that call you don't set the appointment. That's terrible. So I've talked a lot about you know the e-myth, first of all. I'm a big e-myth guy. If you're starting a business, if you want to start a business, if you've started it and haven't read it, read the e-myth blew my mind because of how accurate it was. It was literally like it was talking to me. But the reality is it's talking to all of us. You know, a lot of us entrepreneurs started out the exact same way, either saw somebody else doing it and said, I can do that too, or worked for somebody else and said, I can do that better. And here we are. But we never got any training on it. Nobody ever showed us how to do it. There's no, here's how to run a chimney company school or book. Well, there is a book. Highly recommend Mark Stoners too, but there's no school. There's no process to just go, oh, I can do that. We all just kind of pick it up and figure it out as we go. Some of us better than others. But when you're in the middle of trying to learn, well, well, first of all, the email talks about the fact that a lot of us are really good at the one thing that we were doing when we started the business. For me, that was being a chimney technician. I was really good. So I thought at being a chimney technician. So I'm like, I can do this too. Start my own company, get a van, get some shirts, get some tools, ta-da. Now I'm really good at being a chimney technician and terrible at like 20 other things that I have to do now because I didn't know how to do it. Just because you're really good at sweeping a chimney or putting in a liner does not mean you're really good at everything else. The paperwork, the back end, the hiring, the firing, like you have to do everything. When you work for somebody else or you see somebody else do it, it looks really easy until all of it falls on your plate then it's crushing. Then you become a mediocre technician because you're having a balance doing the work while also doing everything else for the company, things you were never trained on, like bookkeeping. (laughs) Just because I could sweep a chimney, all of a sudden I had to do bookkeeping and bill paying and hiring and marketing and advertising and ordering the parts and following up with the customers and that's on top of doing the, you know, running the appointments, doing the estimates, cleaning, organizing, There's so much going into starting a business that there was no way I was also going to put answering calls, listening to voicemails, returning calls, staying up till six, seven, eight o'clock at night on the phone, scheduling appointments. There's no way my company could have grown under those conditions. So back to the driveway, I got my driveway done and it clicked in my head. I'm like, that's what we're doing right now. We in this company are the first two driveway companies were waiting for voicemails and returning calls and hoping that they haven't called somebody else like this. And there's no way. So I told the business owners, like, we need to look for an office person. He was like, well, okay, I guess. And we did long story short, he hired someone named Jill. 
first person he hired to, and we we could not have been more, I don't know if the word is blessed or lucky or whatever, but we got a rock star in Jill. She came in overnight, the office just transformed from a cluttered mess and disorganized and all of this to now a live person on the phone working while we were working and the company doubled. Literally within the first, I think, six months of her working with us, we had enough work to now have two vans on the road where before it was just me and him. Doubled our workload because, like I said before, four out of five calls we were missing. Now we weren't. Now somebody was on the phone answering it, live voice, setting appointments. It was gold. Organization, uh, the flow just changed overnight because now instead of having to balance both, he could focus on the work. I could focus on the work and she took over all of the office duties as she should. So productivity went through the roof. Unfortunately, this was right around 2009, 2010. We were just coming out of the recession and just it wasn't good working conditions to try to pay for daycare and then work for a guy that had just hired his first office person. (laughs) So uh, long story short, what she was making for him barely covered what it cost for daycare and she just could not afford to work, honestly. And she was heartbroken. She came in, she goes, I really love the job. I really love working here. I just can't. And there was no way that he could make it work for her. And she had to quit. He went back out. He uh, advertised again. We got somebody else. (laughs) That person was nowhere near as good as she was. And productivity kind of flatlined. Fast forward two years later when I decided to start my own company. I'm sitting around and I'm thinking about all of this and I'm like, I'm trying to start a company, but I don't have an office and I don't want to be that guy sitting there every night after work, dirty and tired and broken, and then having to talk to customers and schedule and think, I just don't want to do that. There's no way. So I tried to figure out how I could make this work. I could not afford to pay somebody or bring somebody in. Well, first of all, bring them in my house, right? <laughs> I ran the company out of my house, like most of us do. Now I got to put an office in my house and have somebody show up to my basement, like, come on in, welcome to work. Like, what is that? So I was like, how am I going to make this work? Well, thankfully, there was another thing I had going for me. And that was the fact that I watched how hard it was to deal with paper invoices, paper estimates, filing, sorting, tracking. It was it was a nightmare. But that's what we did. We had those little tricarbon copy and chimney inspection forms, you know, satisfactory, not satisfactory, not applicable, little little box to write a paragraph in. And that's what we did all of our invoices and estimates on. I'll do another podcast later about why that is the worst idea if you're a chimney company. And it is. If you're still using paper invoices and tricarbon tear-off copies, do not go out and find something better to document with. But I won't get off on that now. But that's what I saw. That's what I started with. And a couple years into working for this guy, he decided to switch and put everything into, um, I think it was ACT, A-C-T. I don't even know what it stood for, but some kind of CRM software. And it was Jill's job (laughs) to take all of his faded, wrinkled, massive stack of papers and input all of that into this new system, which was terrible. Do not want that job. More power to her for doing it. But I saw how much of a pain it was not only to deal with paper, but then to try to put paper into a system after you had already had it for a while. So I said, absolutely not. When I started my company, the first thing I was going to do was be 100% paperless. And I started looking into how to do that. 
it was actually a lot easier than I thought. First thing was Google Calendar. Uh, was very, very easy for scheduling. Um, second is QuickBooks. In QuickBooks, you can do invoicing and estimating, and you can even store pictures in there. And I was like, this is amazing. I thought QuickBooks was just for bookkeeping, just for numbers. Like I barely went into it ever. Once I started playing with it with my business, I was like, this is usable. I can do something with this. And I did. And that's how my company started, was 100% cloud-based, paperless. It was beautiful, kind of. The other thing was phone.com. When I first got my phone number, I was trying to figure out how to use it. Like, what do I do with it? And I found phone.com, ported my number into them. And then every time you would dial my work number, it would ring the cloud. I was like, what is this? This is magic. (laughs) So I used that. And I was like, okay, so I've got Google Calendar. I'm doing all my invoicing and my estimating and tracking in QuickBooks. And my phone is through the cloud. How can I make this work? And then it clicked. It's remote. This was working remote way before COVID happened. It's become like this big thing. I was like, I can do everything I need to do for this company here or anywhere else. So I called Jill. I said, hey, remember me? She's like, yeah, this has been a couple of years now between her leaving there and me calling her. I was like, remember me? She goes, yeah. I said, I'm starting a company doing the exact same thing I did for the other guy. Here's the deal. What if you could do the same job you were doing for him, for me, from home? No daycare involved. You set your own hours and you work 100% from home. I'll supply you everything you need. And she jumped at the chance. She's like, I loved working for that company. I liked working in the trade. I'm in. And that's how I started. Jill was my first hire before I even had an assistant technician which is why I preach this. I lived it. I I worked for someone else watching the paper trail and the headache and working late hours and not having a life and being run down and missing out on customers. I went through all of that. There's no way in hell I was going to start out the same way. So my advice to you, paperless. If you're already using paper, scrap it, find something else. There's so many different things out there now. Before, I don't even know what ACT is now. I could probably Google it, but I don't want to. There are so many different softwares out there that people are using, starting with QuickBooks, right? Most of us already have that. Use that for your invoicing and your estimating. But then we went from that years later to House Call Pro, and now we have Service Titan, but there's Service Pal, and there's iFleet, and there's Jobber, and there, there's a, a hundred different softwares out there find one that works for you find something that can track and and document what you need i'm getting off on a tangent again we'll go over that in a few weeks but find something but for us it was just google calendar quickbooks phone.com i put a phone in her house uh, paid for the phone plugged into her phone line Uh, phone.com gave us this little box i think that like spliced into the middle of her phone. I didn't even know how it worked, honestly, because I didn't even do it. Her and her husband took care of it. But all I knew was when you called my office number that was advertised everywhere, it would ring the office phone in my office. It would also ring the office phone in her office. So it was like working in an office, but not. She could log into Google Calendar. I could log into it. She could set appointments. I could see them. Had it on my phone. Um, I had the QuickBooks app on my phone and I would write an invoice and an estimate. She could see it on her computer in her house. It was like magic. And the company took off. So from day one, I had a live voice answering the phone. I was blessed enough to have somebody that knew chimneys already. So there wasn't a lot of training involved there. 
but she could answer questions. She could qualify them. She could set the appointment. She could explain to them. And that way, every single person that's ever called Caesar Chimney Service has had a live voice on the other side. Gold. Now, if you're not there, if you're running a company, starting a company, and you're still answering your own phones, I would highly, highly recommend, well, we're a little late in the season to do it now, but I would recommend getting on that. I still talk to companies to this day, established companies, bigger companies, companies that you know have multiple trucks on the road. And I talk to the owner and they're like, oh yeah, I'm still answering my own phones. I'm like, no, no. Number one is get somebody in that office. Get somebody that's not you as the owner in there and have them do that. That's their job. That's not the owner's job. It is your job to train them and get them up to the point that they can do the work, but that is not a business owner's job. And time and time again, like I said, I'll talk to people and they it's it's the most overlooked part. We think that we need to be invested in all the parts of the business and you don't. That's the first part that should not be on your plate. It should be on somebody else's while you can take care of the bigger and different and all, you know, all of that. Hire somebody. So how to hire. This is hard for me to talk about because I didn't have to <laughs> for my first one. I was very lucky to have Jill who already knew the trade, knew the verbiage, and could just jump in feet first and take off. But hiring my second was fun. <laughs> Jill worked for me for, I can't even think, three, four years from home, which sounds like a great thing. Like A lot of people now want remote working. They want to work from home. Some places are requiring it. As a business owner, it's fantastic because you don't need an office space, so you can you can just pick up and go. But there is a downside. The downside is cabin fever. <laughs> and Jill can tell you that sitting at home and working from home for three, four years in a row, it wears on you after a while. So eventually, we grew to the point that we got uh, an actual building. We moved out of my house. She got to move out of her house. Everybody got to be in the office at the same time. The company kept growing the phones were exploding to the point that it was too much for her to handle. So we had to, we had to hire a second person. What I didn't realize is I've, you know, we all talk about how to hire, where do you hire, where do you get your people from? And indeed is always my answer. Indeed and Facebook are the two places that I put uh, really all, I don't advertise anywhere else for any work other than indeed and Facebook. When I put an ad out for a technician, I'll get maybe one or two a week. We'll apply to it. We set the interviews and qualify and all that. When we decided to hire for the office, I'm like, okay, we'll get one, maybe two. We got 30 in the first day. <laughs> I was like, what? And this is before COVID, before remote work, before everybody was out of jobs and looking for work. And this is it when we were in the height of the uh, economic boom. And I thought everybody was working in New Hampshire. We had a 2.3 or 2.7% unemployment rate. I'm like, we're not going to get any calls. 30. I got 30 people applied. I'm like, okay, we're into it. So then it was up to Jill to hire for her assistant, really. And picking through 30, it, it's kind of a, um, it's a position of strength because you're not having to deal with, you know, whoever shows up. You can be very picky. We narrowed it down to two people. There was one that Jill just really got along with. They clicked in the interview and they were just, you know, talking and laughing, having a good time. There was another woman that had all the qualifications. She had the uh, expertise. She had dealt with all the different softwares and she had phone experience. And on paper, she was the perfect hire. 
and it was a toss up. She's like, which one do I go with? And I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. I can tell you how to hire a technician. Well, back then I really couldn't either. You guys have heard how well I was at hiring techs, but I was like, I don't know. It's up to you. You're the one that's got to work with her. She ended up going with the more qualified, um, more experienced person. She had her in the office for two days and she came to me and she goes, I can't do this. <laughs> what do you mean? She goes, I just can't work with her. She's just, I, I, I have to be in an office with this person for eight hours a day. And I just, I don't think I can. And I don't know what to do. I'm like, it sounds like you hired the wrong one. So unfortunately, after two days, we had to let her go. We called the other girl back and, and the ones we had told, you know, sorry, the job's been taken. Two days later, she gets a call. Hey, would you like the job? And she said, yes. She's now been with us for over two and a half years. The takeaway from that is the same takeaway that I gave when I talked about hiring technicians. Do not hire solely based on experience and credentials. Anybody you hire in your company needs to be hired for their character. If you're going to hire for a tech, you're going to have to sit in a van with this person long hours and you're gonna have to work side by side with them and they're gonna have that foxhole mentality where you lean on them lean on you the office is no different if you hire somebody strictly because they have a fantastic resume and you don't know what they're about or how they act or what kind of person they are you're going to be stuck with them in that office hire for character you can always train later which we're going to talk about next week because i don't want to go over another hour-long episode this week but we've now hired two more since her. And we now have an office of four. Jill has moved out and she's now become the office manager. And we have three of the office assistants all answering calls. But it all started in my basement and in Jill's basement on two different desk phones with little boxes attached that allowed the internet to call us, which was magic to me back then because I had no idea, on QuickBooks and Google Calendar. That was it. We made it work. If you called my company... 2015, you never would have known we didn't have a functioning physical office and some fantastic software that we were using. We didn't have any of that. We definitely weren't working off of paper, but we weren't nearly as big as people thought they were when they called. But it makes a difference. If you're going to spend all of this money to do the job right, and if you're going to spend all of this money to get the customers to call, don't forget that missing link, that middle portion. When the customer calls, what do they get? Don't make them get a voicemail. Don't send them off to some answering service. It's just going to take their name and number, and then you're going to have to call them back anyway. Or Don't do that. Take the time. Spend the energy. Hire somebody. Have them sit and answer the calls and give your customers that first impression that they're expecting. Treat them the way they should be treated with a live voice that can talk to them. It's still, it's sad to me, really, with as big as my company is and as as much as we've grown a reputation, when people call, my office still gets it once in a while. They'll answer, hi, Caesar Chimney, can I help you? And there's a pause and they'll go, is this real? Is this a person? (laughs) And they'll laugh. They're like, yeah, it is. They're like, oh, thank God. Oh, it's it's nice to finally get some. I'm like, how many people did they have to call to get through to us? The other one that we still get, and we get it a lot more this time of year, is, hi, Caesar Chimney, thanks for calling. Oh, thank God you answered. You're the fourth person I've called. Nobody else has answered. Everybody else is an answering machine. Nobody else called me back. You're the first one. We hear it all the time. 
makes me sad because as an industry, it makes us look like a joke. Honestly, it makes us look like a bunch of smucks chucking a truck, whatever you want to call it, Bobby down the road. That's not what our trade should be. But that's what people think. They're like, you actually answered. We'll do whatever you want. We'll sign up right now. Just come out, send them out. I don't care what the price is, but you actually answered. Thank you to those of you that are out there just letting your customers go to voicemail or, or not returning their calls because we're reaping the benefits. But no, as a trade professional, that's not how I want our trade to look. I don't want customers to think that that's what they're going to get. And we still get it. We'll probably get it this week at least a dozen times. Oh, you're a real person? Oh, you actually answered? The other one we get is, is this an answering service? And we're like, no, no, this is the office. The owner's like 10 feet away. Like, can we help you? Like, Your customers have been so jaded by other trades, other companies, that that's what they think. They're expecting bad service at this point. And that makes me really sad as somebody that thrives on customer service, that when our customers call, first of all, they're just happy that we answered and they're happy that we're real and they're happy that we're not outsourced like that's the bar that we're setting as an industry for our our customers when they call is oh, wow and from then on it's just roses i'm like okay that, if you're going to set the bar that low i'm happy to to work from there but don't do that hire somebody in your office train them how to do it treat your customers with the customer service they deserve so to sum it up that's really it get an office first of all you need somebody one person start with one and build from there. But take all that weight off your shoulders. We have too much as business owners to deal with and work in and be doing. You know, I got off on a, a few tangents in the last few episodes talking about big, big picture, getting, you know, delegation at the high level, managers and leaders and all that. It really starts at the beginning. If you start out your company thinking that you need to be the only one that does everything, it's really hard to break that. Even with having the office out of the picture for me as an owner, that wasn't something I had to deal with. I still had a hard time breaking that that mold of I have to do everything myself. Don't do that to yourself. Learn how to delegate. Learn how to train early. And then it gets so much easier. Once I learned how to years in, then the company started to grow. But for those first three, four years, I was a terrible business owner, terrible leader. Because even though the office was taken care of, Jill had it and I knew that. Everything else I was terrible at. Learn from my mistakes. Please learn how to delegate early. But by having a live voice on the phone, you'll book more calls, first of all. You'll retain more customers, which is a huge one, and it just gets better. So next week, I got a treat for you. So we're going to go into more detail with how to train your office staff, how to better equip them to not just set the appointments, but take control of the call, qualify the customer, answer their questions, inform the customer, a lot of different things. Like There's so much more that the office does. A lot of us think they just answer the phone and set appointments. Yay, any, you know, anybody can do that. No, no, no. A real, true office professional, a true chimney service office professional needs to be top-notch, not just answer the phone, set the appointments. We're going to talk about how. And when I say we, you're not going to hear it just from me. I'm going to have my first actual guest next week. I've talked about her a lot, so you might feel like you already know her, but I'm going to have Jill herself come in here and explain how my office works, because honestly, at this point, I have no idea. I had to call her before doing this episode to ask her how her phone worked at her house because I forgot. I'm like, how did we how did we make the phone ring at mine and yours? And she's like, oh, it was this and that. But that's how out of my mind the office has been since day one is I just, I know Jill's got it. 
So instead of me telling you how she does it, she's going to tell her, tell you herself. So tune in next week for our first guest where my office manager, Jill, is going to tell you how to train and hire and just make your office awesome. So until next week, thank you for lending me your ear.